Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 90 of the Box Hard Podcast, episode 90. I'm your host Joey Coastman. This week Ayers is not with me, he has pulled a sickie. We are joined by uh, B-Rock, the the lady that was with us the other week. So once again, welcome to the show, B. Um, you know, it's going to be my pleasure having you on. Thanks for coming on. Of course, you're, uh, you've got your own thing going on as well, Boxing Disclosure. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Joe. I'm good. Excellent stuff. Right, we're going to dive straight into part one. Part one, of course, being the review part of the show. Many fights to mention from last weekend. We're going to start with a card that happened over in Derby at the Roller World in Derby. I'm not too sure where that is exactly, but one fight to mention on that bill. Um, Marcus Morrison, the product of the Gallagher's gym. Uh, I remember seeing him lose when he stepped up. I can't really remember off the top of my head who he lost to but he stepped up he was 14 and 0 stepped up and lost and he was having a comeback fight against Tyan Booth now people will remember that Tyan Booth lost to Chris Eubank Jr and since then he's been working with iFilm London doing a few interviews I think most recently he did one with Billy Joe Saunders on their channel um so he's kind of like an interviewer now rather than a boxer well you know, he, he certainly showed up. He got in there against Marcus Morrison. It was supposed to be a comeback fight for, uh, well, for him. And also, Marcus Morrison was supposed to beat him easily. I don't think he'd been in the ring for quite a while, uh, Time Booth. But Time Booth managed to pick up a points win over four rounds. Just goes to show these four rounders can be really tricky. You know, they can all be potential banana skins. Because if you lose one round, you need to win, you know, all the other three just to just to win it. If you if you lose two, of course, it's a draw. So um, yeah, certainly certainly bad things there for Marcus Morrison. Two losses on the bounce. Now he was looking very good, and the momentum's just been sucked out of him there. So we wish him all the very best. He seems like a nice kid, but um, he's certainly in a bad place at the moment in terms of his career. Uh, moving over now to the Fantasy Springs Casino in Indio, California. One fight to mention on this bill. One or two fights to mention on this bill, in all honesty. Um, Ryan Martin, Ryan Blue Chip Martin, he moved to 19-0 with a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Marcos Jimenez. Uh, his record now 22-8. and eight. That's it for that card. Moving over now to the Huntington Center in Toledo, Ohio, USA. Two fights to mention on this bill. Former world title challenger Julian J. Rock Williams. He returned to the ring after being iced by Jamal Charlo. Uh, he picked up a TKO in round seven. We all know that he can bang, and he certainly showed it here. It was a TKO in round seven against Joshua Conley, who had a record of 14 and one with one draw. Now 14 and two with one draw. Julian Williams proceeds to 23 wins inside 25 five fights he's got one loss and one draw also Robert Easter Jr. moved to 20 and 0 he picked up a unanimous decision win over 12 rounds against Denis Shafikov Denis Shafikov now 38 and 3 with one draw it was for the IBF world lightweight title Robert Easter Jr. a man that we're looking to be speaking to hopefully in the coming weeks we were supposed to get him on last week and uh, timings all kind of fell through so 
good win for him there. I, I heard that it was a lot closer, actually, than the judges gave it. So um, people are a little bit frustrated with the score in there. And that seemed to be a topic of, of, of many discussions last week. Not just this fight, Kyle, of course. We'll get on to the others. But, um, yeah, good win there for Robert Easter. I didn't see the fight, but he proceeds to 20-0. and Gets a defense there of his world title. Moving over now to Argentina. One fight to mention over here, really. The cousin of Oscar De La Hoya, Diego De La Hoya. He proceeds to 19 19-0, defending his WBC Youth World Super Bantamweight title. He picked up a unanimous decision win over 10 rounds against Alan Castillo, who now has a record of 21-7. and Decent win there for Diego De La Hoya. Moving over now to France. One fight to mention on this build. There was an interim WBA World Super Welterweight title fight between Brian Costano. I didn't know too much about him, but he moved to 14-0. Perfect record. He picked up a split decision win over 12 rounds against Michel Soro. Michel Soro a decent fighter. 30-2 and two now with one draw. He'll be very upset about that. Uh, moving over now to Germany. One fight to mention over here. There was an upset on this card. There was a couple of upsets to be honest over, over the course of last weekend. But Dominic Bozell 24-0 took on Caro Murat. It was for the vacant EBU European light heavyweight title. And Caro Murat picked up a late stoppage in the 11th round. A TKO victory for him. If I'm not mistaken, I don't really think he's even known as you know as a big puncher. But wow, a huge upset there over in Germany. Dominic Bozell now 24-1. And the new EBU champion is Caro Murat, a man that... For me, I really kind of thought he's seen better days, but perhaps he'll even get another crack at a world title. All the very best to him, nonetheless. Moving over now to Russia. Two fights to mention on this bill. Edward Troyanovsky, the man that got iced by Julius Indongo in one round. He returned to the ring against Michele DiRocco, the man that Ricky Burns beat. Um... Troyanovsky KO'd DeRocco in round four. DeRocco was also down in round three as well. Michele DeRocco, someone with a hugely padded record. His record now 41 and 3 with one draw. Edward Troyanovsky 26 and 1. Top of the bill over there, Alexander Povetkin 31 and 1, got in the ring against Andre Rudenko. Rudenko, I think, was hurt in the first round, if I'm not mistaken. He seemed like he didn't really want to be in there, but he ended up surviving the entire fight. He was there at the final bell. He lost every round. It was 120, 108, if I'm not mistaken, across all three scorecards. That one was for the vacant WBO international heavyweight title and also the vacant WBA continental heavyweight title so both belts going back with Povetkin that's it for Russia moving over now to the O2 Arena a card that myself and UB were both present at we're going to start with the undercard a couple of fights to mention before we get on to the big one I'm just going to whiz through these ones Danny Dignam moved to 3-0 and um, he picked up a points win over four rounds against Yalton Neves, uh, losing record one and eight him. Um, Joshua Boatsy made his debut. He picked up a TKO in round two. He hurt his man with a body shot after about five seconds of the first round. I was worried that he might go um, inside, you know, inside the first round, but nah, he, you know, he managed to go to round two, kept getting up. 
Um, it came with a bit of heart, I suppose, but just had no chance really at any point. Josh Boatsy looked very good as well, so he's now 1-0. Of course, that's the Olympic bronze medalist from 2016 in the light heavyweight category. Jake Ball was also on the bill. He moved to nine wins inside of ten fights. He bounced back from that loss. He's already had one fight since, but this was his second fight since. A TKO in round four. He was on our show last week. He said he wanted to win on points. He lied. He got him out of there, and um, I congratulated him after the fight, so a good win there for him. Also on the bill, Isaac Chamberlain moved to 8-0. He stopped his man, Ryan Crawford. Can't remember what round it was in now, but a good win there for Isaac Chamberlain. That Ryan Crawford can bang as well. He was, he was winging in with shots, and um, you know he seemed to, I don't want to say trouble Chamberlain, but he seemed to have him thinking for quite a bit of that fight, actually, so... You know, Isaac showed some 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 grit there and got the win. Of course, Jamie Cox moved to 23 and 0 with a TKO in round one against Ivan Jukic. Ivan Jukic. 24-12 and 12 now, his record. He's been in there with the likes of Chris Eubank Jr. and a few others. So a good win there for Jamie Cox. Craig Richards was also on the bill. He moved to 9-0 and with a points win over six rounds against Rui Manuel Pavarito. Now, this guy, he was the Portuguese champion, if I'm not mistaken. He came in at short notice, but he was in terrific shape. He seemed to be one of those guys that, you know, was short and stocky. And he was just winging in with the, the big left and right hooks and putting everything behind him. So he had to be really careful Craig and in that final round boy oh boy it was the uh, you know edge of the seats moments really it was it was squeaky bum time I said it to, to Craig afterwards I said I was absolutely uh, I'm not going to swear but I was absolutely I almost did one in my pants I was very very worried for him at some points in that last round um, B I know that you saw that fight it's certainly um, you know, of, of of a night's of a night's fights that wasn't overly exciting. They, you know, some of the fights on there weren't the best fights. They they didn't really live up to expectations in some ways. This was a fight that certainly was very exciting. Certainly got everybody interested in the whole night to start with. Yeah, I agree. Actually, um, being the uh, Portuguese ex champion, it's um, it was a tough one for him. I know for Craig as well. Um, it was hard to find a, um, an opponent, wasn't it? So it was all short notice. So Craig didn't even, he was going in blind, he didn't know really as such who he was fighting. And yeah, it was a tough one. Um, you're right, that sixth round, very, very close. Every one of us, I think, was off our feet. I was, I think I was shouting, uppercut, uppercut. Um, and people next to me were shouting other, <laughs> other moves, but it's not that easy, is it, obviously being in the ring yourself. So um, well done for him, obviously coming through that. And it was a good test for him, being obviously, you know, so far into this round, I think it's his eighth fight, is it? So, um, yeah, well done, Craig. Um, but it was a tough, tough challenge for him. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's he's moved to nine and zero now. I um I was out with Craig the other day. We we went Nando's the other day, and I just think that um. He asked me, "What's what's healthier? Is it is it the spicy rice or is it the mash?" And I had no clue, but I think, um, you know, I think he got a little bit of both, if I'm not mistaken. So we might want to blame that a little bit. Also on the bill, Connor Ben. Oh my word, he's been out the ring, I think, for about seven months. He stepped in there against Mike Cole, who had an unbeaten record, four and zero with one draw. Obviously, hadn't fought anybody of note, but Connor Ben, he's in the same boat, really. He has not really fought anybody of note. Um, he picked up a TKO in round three. Now, you know, on paper, it just looks like a typical kind of fight of Connor Benz. He goes in there, he gets his opponent out of there. He doesn't really show much skill. It doesn't really show that when you look at it on paper. Oh, my word. I've got to say this. I was saying it to everybody next to me, even people that I didn't know. I said, 
Connor Ben, the improvement that I've seen in him was unbelievable. He looked like a completely, completely different fighter. I was just blown away. You know, his lateral movement, his footwork was really good. His elusiveness was unbelievable. We've always kind of seen him being a guy that just comes forward, comes forward, comes forward. You know, he's like a guy that's always on the attack and he can fight like that because you know he's, he's been in there with these guys who are really there just to survive they're not coming there to win this guy with an unbeaten record he didn't know how to lose he was coming in there to win and there were times where he was on the front foot trying to land shots and Connor Ben was just unbelievable I, I was I was absolutely shocked from what I saw about him I know that you know re- very early on a lot of people have said that he'd never be a world champion and all that kind of stuff but I was so impressed I mean I just I, I was lost for words he, he just I couldn't believe it was him in there um, I know that you were very impressed as well with his performance B what did you make of that one? Oh wow I think the performance of the night definitely goes to uh, Conor Ben for me again just repeating what you said unbelievable I mean I loved the way he had his legs bent and he's using them to bounce off the mark and use that to move around the ring he was sharp he was slick and he was able to work out where he was going to put his punches and each one was precision. I absolutely loved that fight. And yes, eight months out of the ring, just imagine what he's going to be like in the next couple of years. Um, he's definitely one to watch out for. Um, I've always been uh, a supporter of Connor anyway. Um, but wow, didn't he wow everybody? Even all, obviously, the ones that were unsure, um, the sceptical fans, if you like. Um, I'm really impressed with him, and I can't wait for the future. Um, yeah, he was outstanding really good very well done Connor yeah, I, I certainly think that the most improved fighter of the whole weekend, to be completely honest, was Conor Benny. Really did impress me there. Also on the bill, Lawrence Acoli. He's been in three fights so far. All three of them have ended in knockout in the first round. And he delivered yet again another first round knockout, this time of Russ Henshaw. No matter what people think, um, this was purely a measuring stick fight. Uh, obviously, Isaac Chamberlain took Russ Henshaw the distance. However, in Isaac Chamberlain's defence, Russ Henshaw was undefeated at the time. And since then, he's kind of gone into journeyman mode a little bit. I don't really think he's um, hungry anymore. I think he's kind of lost motivation. He's just really there for the paydays. But no, Lawrence Okoli did what he had to do. He can only beat what's put in front of him. And this man was there. And, you know, on paper, he looks like he's done a much, much better job than Isaac Chamberlain did. So we can't really overlook that. It is what it is. But um, exciting stuff once again from Lawrence Okoli. I just want to see what he's like in round two and round three. But no, a really devastating puncher. So um, always, always providing entertainment 100% of the time so far and what a fantastic fight that will be if it is made down the line hopefully before one of the guys uh, runs into a a potential banana skin not that I think they're going to but it it could happen I don't want to wait too long before we see that fight between Chamberlain and Akoli fantastic, fantastic fight also on the bill Reese Bellotti 9-0 moved to 10-0 with a TKO in round 8 against Jamie Spate it's got a ring to it. Listen, it was an unbelievable performance from Reese Bellotti. He's a man that I've been high on pretty much since I 
first ever watching him fight. The man can fight. The man is always switched on. I've said it before. You know, you can just see the concentration levels in his face. He judges distance perfectly. He can punch with both hands. He goes to the body. He is the complete package. I really, 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 really rate Reese Bellotti. I know that he needs to be, you know, he needs to be pushed on at a sensible pace. But no, I'd love to see him in there with someone like Isaac Lowe. But about this fight here, it was for the vacant WBC international silver featherweight title. Um, Reese Bellotti, obviously, you know, as I've said, I'm, I'm quite high on him. Jamie Spate's a man that doesn't really get given long notice for a fight. I think he's been given some decent notice for that fight. And, you know, Reese Bellotti was just amazing. I, I gave him every round of the fight until he got the stoppage and the corner actually threw the towel in just as the referee waved it off as well. So it was one of those ones. He had no chance of, of, of getting a knockout, and that's what he would have needed. It was just one-way traffic. But, you know, it wasn't just the same punches again and again and again with Reese Bellotti. He was going downstairs. He was coming up. At times, he couldn't really miss Jamie Spate. So I feel really sorry for him. I... um you know, where he didn't really win a round, and he seemed like a really nice guy, Jamie Spate. It's the first time I've seen him, um, you know, in person, and I was there on fight week, and he seemed like a really nice guy, but it's just a shame he had to come up against someone as legit as Reese Bellotti, so it was a bad night for Jamie Spate, but a fantastic win there for Reese Bellotti as he moves to double-figure wins. Also on that bill... Matthew Ryan put his English super welterweight title on the line against Ted Cheeseman. Matthew Ryan, 14 and 1. Well, now he's 14 and 2. Ted Cheeseman got the TKO in round 3. It was scheduled for 10, and Ted Cheeseman didn't need those extra rounds. He's now 9 and 0. A very exciting future for him as well. And now, top of the bill, Frank Buglioni, the wise guy. Uh, he was on the show a few, a few weeks back now. We talked about this fight against Ricky Summers. Ricky Summers was going in unbeaten, 13 and 0. His O had to go if Frank Buglioni was to win. He said to me he was going to take his O, and he certainly delivered. As I said, there weren't too many great entertaining fights. This was another typical Buglioni fight. Uh, it was a little bit of a war in times, but Ricky Summers, the thing he showed me above most was he has got a completely granite chin. Uh, there were so many fantastic shots that Frank Buglioni landed. Um, you know, straight on, straight on the chin, flush. But Ricky Summers just walked through those punches. So, um, yeah, he showed a fantastic chin. But um, another kind of war, another kind of fight where it was going either way. I kept saying ringside, Ricky Summers had a good jab, man. Whenever he was throwing that jab out, he seemed to, you know, to rock the head back of Buglioni. But he just seemed to not throw it as the fight went on. He was just kind of neglecting his jab a little bit. So, um, yeah, fantastic win there for Frank Buglioni. He's now. 20 wins and two losses with one draw. Ricky Summers now 13 and 1 and Frank gets a defense of that British light heavyweight title and made up for him. Moving over now to the Doncaster Dome, one fight to mention over here. Um obviously up north a little bit, a friend of the show, Gavin McDonald. He moved to 17 wins inside 20 fights. He's got one loss and two draws. It was a win against a guy who was a journeyman. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. He had a record of seven and sixty-one, now seven and sixty-two. A points win there over six rounds for Gavin McDonald. His first fight back since losing the world title attempt against Ray Vargas. A very tough night for him to take. I remember he was pretty um, pretty down about that. Of course, he should be. Moving over now to Australia. Um, I've been arguing with people on Box Hard's Twitter for 
you know, probably the last few days about this fight. It's a fight where everybody scored it subjectively. I'm going to talk about the undercard just before we get onto that, though. I'm going to talk about Michael Conlon. He moved to 3-0 and with a TKO in round three against Jarrah Owen. Decent win there for Michael Conlon. Also on the bill, Shane Mosley Jr. He looks a spitting image of his father. He's got the same name. But I tell you what, the only thing that's different about the two is he cannot fight like his old man, unfortunately. He's a good fighter. But um, it just wasn't to be his night here. And he picked up his second career loss inside 12 fights. He's now 10-2. and two. It was a split decision loss for him over eight rounds at middleweight. His opponent, David Toussaint, moved to 11-0 and, oh, and deserved that, to be completely honest. Also on the bill, Umar Salamov, a fighter that I was quite high on. He was 19-0, and 0, taking on a guy called Damian Hooper, 12-1. and 1. Um, Umar Salamov, he's, he's a guy that's based in the United States, but... But, um, yeah, he's highly ranked with some of the sanctioning bodies. Can't remember which one now. But he put his WBO International Light Heavyweight title on the line. And also, this one was for the vacant IBF International Light Heavyweight title. Umar Salamov got upset on this card. A shocking result there from Australia. He's now 19-1. and It was a 10-round unanimous decision in favour of Damian Hooper. Huge upset there. And also, Jerwin Ancahas moved to 27 wins. And he successfully defended his IBF World Super Flyweight title. Ken Oshita now 25-2 with one draw now. Now the main event, Manny, the Pac-Man Pacquiao, looking for win number 60. His record, 59-6 and six going in. Now 59-7 and seven with two draws. Jeff Horn, 16-0 and oh going in. Now 17-0 and oh with one draw. Unbelievable performance from Jeff Horn, first and foremost. Um, many people believe that Manny Pacquiao would get that knockout that he's been looking for for such a long time in this fight. Nobody gave Jeff Horn a chance. I don't care what anybody says. We all overlooked him and we were all guilty of that. Some people in the trade said that he was a better fighter than we were giving him credit for, but still... People didn't care about how good of a fighter he was. People cared about how good of a fighter Manny Pacquiao was. And we did not believe he could nullify the good things that Manny Pacquiao can do. And for me, before last week, I would have said the number one man at 147 is Manny Pacquiao. I would have stood by that. He beats Keith Furman. Well, boy, oh boy, there was a huge upset in the outback. We've all heard about it, as I've said. Jeff Horn, for me, came out. I might have been a little bit... Um, I might have been a little bit influenced because he came out in the first round. He looked huge next to Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao, by the way, before I go on to say what I'm going to say, he is one of, if not my favorite boxer in world boxing. I've always, always loved Manny Pacquiao. When he lost to Floyd, I was absolutely gutted. When he lost to Marquez, when he got knocked out, I was absolutely gutted. I thought that my world had ended. He's a man that I absolutely love. And, um, you know, I, I was very—I've been very biased to him in the past. Now here, he stepped in against Jeff Horn, somebody who I've got no loyalties to at all. But for me, Jeff Horn won the first six rounds. Some people don't agree with me there. I actually had the fight scored one one six to one one two, so obviously one hundred and sixteen to one hundred and twelve in favour of Jeff Horn, which would have looked like on paper eight rounds to four. So as I said, I scored the first six rounds to Jeff Horn, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Barry Jones on commentary for Box Nation had it five rounds to one in favour of Jeff Horn. So some people were quite annoyed that I had him six rounds up after six rounds. Now after the first three rounds, which I all gave to Horn, I placed an in play bet five pound to win thirty pound for Jeff Horn to win on decision. Just you know, just a little bet that I fancied. He just seemed to be too big 
Manny couldn't really set his feet, and his feet weren't as good as what they were. He seemed a little bit flat-footed sometimes, Manny. He kept trying to call him in, and when he was doing that, I think he was expecting Jeff Horn to just fall for the bait. Jeff Horn, even though he looked a bit unsteady on his feet all the time, he just, you know, he, he just kept coming in, putting pressure on Manny. And the size played a huge factor in that in that fight for me. I think that, you know, some people argue that Manny Pacquiao landed the cleaner shots. I don't think he did. I think Jeff Horn was doing really, really well with the, uh, you know, with the right hands he kept throwing, and also he was mixing it up. He was showing us some, some, you know, he was some, imp- some unpredictability. That's what we were seeing. He was very unpredictable, even though he kept coming forward. It wasn't in straight lines. He was spinning off with his shots as well, and he was throwing in some sneaky little uppercuts here and there. So I thought he was unreal. I mean, I was really impressed. Obviously, I think Manny Pacquiao probably overlooked him, just like we all did. But I was so impressed. With him I couldn't believe it um so yeah I had it eight to four some people say that that ninth round where it looked like Jeff Horn was going to be stopped in that round he did really well to survive it and um some people gave that a 10-8 round to Manny Pacquiao I didn't I don't think that would have been very fair I don't really like scoring 10-8 rounds unless there is a knockdown or obviously a point taken away but no, I don't think it was as bad to give a 10-8, but even still with a 10-8, he'd have still lost pretty handily on my car. But that's how I had it. A lot of people that were watching it in the US, in America, on ESPN, saw it a completely different way. I've been on Twitter, I've been saying that Teddy Atlas's commentary was absolutely shocking. And a lot of people agreed with me. I've actually been tweeting and been, I've been... Um, you know, I've been ridiculed by some boxing fans, but then I've had people like Paulie Malinagi, um, you know, he's been having my back. We've literally had Twitter mentions coming out of my ears, you know. I've, um, I think my phone went off. I, I woke up to about 60-something notifications, all people tweeting, liking, retweeting. It was crazy, but um, many boxers interacted with me and, and were backing me up. So, uh, yeah, for me, I thought that Jeff Horn was the rightful winner. Um, B, how did I know that? Well, in fact, you only saw the first three rounds, if I'm not mistaken. It was it was a long night for for myself and you. We literally left the O2, and um, obviously you had a long drive back to, to back to yours before watching it. I think you must have crashed out. But what did you make of the first three rounds? I think that you saw it a little bit different <laughs> to me. Yeah, I um, I just haven't had time. To, I wanted to watch that fight, but um, I just really haven't had the time. I did have a. I went for a nap, and it was a nine hour nap. Okay. So uh, that's how tired I was. Um, for the first three rounds, though, from what I have seen or caught glimpses of, I I, I wasn't agreeing um, with what you said about the first, obviously, half. I had uh, Manny. He looked like he was in and out um, on shots, um, not being caught at all by Horde. But I have watched it on a stream, so I'm not sure whether it was clear enough for me to even, obviously, talk about as such. And I've only got the first three rounds. I will catch up with it probably this week, um, later on, or in the next couple of days, really. But, um, yeah, I can't really, as much as I want to talk about it and give my opinion, I can't too much. No, that's absolutely fine. Um, But, no, a lot of people, I think, were influenced by commentary, especially the people that were watching it in the US. They've got Teddy Atlas in there. He seemed like he had a serious agenda um, you know, while commentating, I've heard little clips of what he said, and also he interviewed Jeff Horn after the fight and said, "Congrats on the win, but I thought you lost." I just didn't really think that there was any need for that. Um, but no, what I will say is, the referee came into the corner of Jeff Horn's and basically said, "If I don't see, if you don't show me something in the next round, this was at the end of round nine when Pacquiao had a great round that some people gave a ten eight, 
The referee said, if you don't show me nothing in this 10th round, I'm going to stop this fight. And I thought that was crazy because Jeff Horn, for me, was clearly winning that fight. Bear in mind, I actually had the first six rounds to Jeff Horn. I'm not sure how I had it after nine rounds, but Manny was certainly coming into it. He, he, you know, he, he didn't really run out of gas, whereas Jeff Horn looked like he was ready to be stopped. And I felt really bad because I thought like he had a terrible round nine. And I was thinking to myself, he's probably not going to last to see the decision, but if he does somehow do it, He's going to win this fight surely on a decision. He just needs to stay away from, you know, from, from Manny Pacquiao's onslaughts and, and try and do his best to perhaps tie him up because he was looking very tired. But that little speech from the referee, the, the, you know, the, 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 the chance that he was possibly going to stop it, hearing that from the referee, that seemed to give Jeff Horn a second win. There was no way he was going to do that after you know the brilliant performance he'd already put on on that fight. It would have been such a shame if Manny did end up getting the stoppage or the referee decided that he'd seen enough. But I thought it was way too early for the referee to have said that, especially with the way I saw the fight. Maybe the referee didn't see it like me either, but the judges did. Um, yeah, that's really it. I just want to I want to leave that there, to be completely honest. So Jeff Horn's the new WBO World Welterweight Champion, and I really think he deserved it. But a phenomenal fight and fantastic stuff for Australia. Getting Manny Pacquiao over there and, um, you know, managing to, to, to do that. And it was absolutely brilliant. Just, you know, Jeff Horn, to think that he used to be a school teacher, that's unbelievable. A real inspiration there to the people. Um that's really it. That's what we're going to finish with on the review part of the show. There's nothing else from last week. It's now time to welcome a man that is in the mix with the WBO. It's guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the current British welterweight champion, Mr. Bradley Skeet. Bradley, welcome to the show. Nice one, Jay. How you doing, mate? Yeah, good, my friend. How are you? Yeah, all good, bro. Nice one, man. Nice one. So, Bradley, we last spoke on this show just before the Shane Singleton fight. You were very confident going in. All of a sudden, it nearly kicked off at the weigh-in, I remember. And on fight night, you did a proper, proper job on him. I was there ringside, as you know. Anything that you want to reflect on from that night at the Brentwood Centre last month, Brad? Yeah, no, do you know what it was? It was just, I, I told him I was a level above... Um, Without being arrogant, I was confident. I was confident, confident going in that fight. I told him I'm a world class fighter, and people need to start start realizing it. And uh, yeah, he, he said a few things at the way in. So um, yeah, they got they got dealt with on on the night, as you see. Yeah, I certainly did see. And um, yeah, just just to cap that that fight off, yeah, it was a brilliant performance from yourself, obviously, you uh, you looked amazing, to be honest, uh, we saw a lot of spite from you, um, you know, when you were putting those combinations together, it's probably I, I would probably say it was one of the, one of your best performances to date, actually, so congrats on that once again. Nice one, mate, thank you So on to the next one, Brad you fight on Saturday night at a copper box against Dow Evans um, you've said it before yourself that sometimes <laughs> defending the British title can stall your progression and it's crazy that providing you win, you'd have defended your British title twice in just five weeks something that doesn't happen these days for champions at any level in boxing I'm guessing you can't wait to get in there, Brad Yeah, I made it quite clear before the single fight I, like, I went not my, my, I've made it clear from from when I won the British title, I want to win it outright. Um, I, bo- I boxed for it last March and won it, and then it, it took a while to to get these three defenses out, out of the way. But um, do you know what? I can't now. I can't complain. Um, I made it quite clear before my last fight that I want to get out straight away again and defend it. All being well, no injuries, no cuts. Um, 
I wanted to get on this July the 8th show, which is in London, which I haven't boxed in London um, for, for I don't know how long. Um, so, yeah, I know Frank had a, has got this big show, so I made it quite clear after the fight that, that I want to be on it. And um, to be honest, I didn't think I was going to get the opportunity to be on it. It was it's a, big, it's a busy show, and uh, but um, a bit of luck went my way. Um, with Billy Joe's opponent uh, obviously getting arrested and, and can't fight, so that fight got pulled, and then, then I got the call to, to, to see if I wanted to, to fight, so I, I was more than happy. Yeah, excellent, man, excellent. And, um, yeah, so it's going to be your third defence. You get the chance to win it outright. I know it's a prestigious belt and one that will always be very close to your heart, Brad. Uh, just a quick note on your opponent, Dale Evans. Obviously, we know that he got a win over Sam Eggington, which was in prize fighter, and Sam ended up avenging that defeat. But Evans, and I forgot this, but Evans was also the man that ended Mike Tao's career. And, of course, Mike Tao died the following day. Horrific scenes there. Since that fight, he's had one one fight, he's won every round of a four-rounder on points against a guy with 140 losses. Do you feel that he's out of his depth here against you, Brad? Uh, do you know what? Um, again, like domestically, I think I'm a level above, and, and I'll prove it on Saturday. Um, Dow Evans is a tough fighter. He's a, he's a good fighter. Um, coming into this fight, obviously, hasn't been great preparation for him, but... Um, I, I, I just got to look at. I want to win my belt outright, so I, I just got to do, do what I do really. Um, he, he's been in with some good good fighters. He's got some good wins, so I'm expecting a, a good fight, a tough fight. But like I say, I, I'm a level above above domestic domestic fighters and and, and a show on Saturday. Yeah, I tend to agree with that, to be honest. And I was saying on last week's podcast, Brad, that um, I said, right, after Manny Pacquiao beats Jeff Horn, because the Aussies were able to come up with the money to get him over there, I believe that Frank Warren and BT were going to probably be able to get Manny over sometime after that fight. But then, Jeff, nobody knows who I am, Horn, pulled off the upset. Did you manage to watch the fight, Brad? Yeah, I did. I I watched it on the Monday. And uh, to be honest, I, I had money winning the fight. Um, Jeff, 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 good fight, he's strong, strong, tough fighter. But I thought, I thought, I give some money by two rounds. I, I win by two rounds. But everyone, like I said, I'm so glad I spoke about this before the fight happened. I, 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 I said it in interviews. I said it to everyone who would listen. Manny Pacquiao ain't the Manny Pacquiao what he once was. He, he, he's coming to the end of his career, and and people was was was. Like every everyone was giving me stick for for even mentioning the Manny fight, but I got asked the question of how the current world champions who who would I like to fight, and I picked Manny Pacquiao because I, I believe he's coming to the end of his, his career, and I genuinely believe I've got the style to beat him, and he, and it's just shown on on the weekend he's got beat by someone who 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 wouldn't be able to lace his boots if it was the the Pacquiao of of, of a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. I mean, you know, let's take nothing away from Jeff Horn, but yeah, nobody saw this coming. Now he's a world champion. I know that there's a rematch clause in place, but what a fantastic time to be moving away from your from your own point of view. What a fantastic time to be moving away from British level, Bradley, a new champion yeah. for the WBO, and a more winnable fight for yourself possibly than the Pacquiao fight. Some would say um, they could be wrong, though. Jeff Horn might end up being the goods, but what do you think of him as a champion? Do you, I know that you'd fight anybody, Brad. I know that 100% you'd fight anybody, but is that a more winnable fight? 
yeah, definitely. I, I generally believe I'd beat Manny Pacquiao. And like, like I say, I, I'm so glad I said it before, lost to Jeff Horn, because everyone would have been saying I'm just jumping on the bandwagon of him, of him getting beat. So I've stated it way before the fight happened. So, um, but yeah, I've said it before, I, I'd, I'd beat Jeff Horn too. That I'd stand up for 100% of confidence beating him. Out of the current world champions, you've got to look at him, he's the weakest one, I believe. Um, so that, that that's a fight I'd love. I'd love that fight. I'm right now number three with the WBO. So I just got to keep winning and pushing on, and and hopefully Frank can get the deal done and get that fight for me. Yeah, what a fantastic time to be highly ranked with the WBO. Um, I don't know if you've seen. You, you know, some people are, are pretty annoyed with the way Boxrec does their rankings. They always. Uh, get a load of people hating on their decisions but have you seen the welterweight division rankings right now on box track it's unreal have you seen it brad to be honest i've, I've not i've not i've not had a look at the rankings in there I don't i'll tell believe. you i'll tell you yeah. jeff horn has leapfrogged keith Furman. jeff horn's the number one welterweight in in the world um <laughs> sam eggington's 10th sam eggington's 10th yeah. you're 21 i just don't know who does yeah. the rankings it's, it's quite shocking to be honest that sounds Mickey Mouse, to be honest. That's, that's <laughs> Mickey <laughs> yeah, that's the right word for it, man. So, um, yeah, we were we were both at the press conference the other week. It's been announced that Gennady Golovkin's going to be taking on Triple G. It's going to get shown on Box Nation. What's your opinion on that fight, Brad? A huge, huge fight up at middleweight. Yeah, massive fight, massive 50-50 uh, fight. I think. Um, yeah, great, great, great for it to be on Box Nation. Um, yeah, like I say. Um, everyone's talking about it. it's one of them mega fights happening um, there's a lot of obviously talk on Mayweather and McGregor uh, fight but this that, that I don't really class that as a mega fight this is a mega mega fight Canelo and Triple G um, that's, that's, that's a mega fight in boxing and, and uh, I think it's a good one it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a good fight Do you know who you think is going to win that fight at this stage or not? I, I I've said it. I think it's a close fifty-fifty fight, but um, I'll go with with Triple G. I think Triple G is going to win. Um, going on momentum and and recent performances, uh, a lot of people would say it's Canelo. But I just I, obviously Canelo's a great fighter, but I I I I, I just think about Triple G that that I feel he's, he's going to going to get the win. Yeah, no, as you say, it's definitely very 50-50. A lot of people very divided. If I'm not mistaken, I think Steve Bunce fancies Canelo big and um, Barry Jones yeah. fancies Golovkin big. So, you know, they, they don't even agree on it. So, uh, yes, yeah, it's, it's certainly yeah, got, people, no, got people torn. Also, the end of this month, the 29th of July, really good fight over in the States, Brad. You may have a bit of an interest in this, maybe not. Um, Mikey Garcia against Adrian Broner, huge fight. Another real, really good fight that's just been made. Um, that we're all looking forward to. You got any interest in that at all? Yeah, I, I always like watching Broner. Um, you never know what you're going to get with him. Um, he, he, I, I, I think he's a good fighter, but one, one minute he wants to be a rapper, one minute he, he wants to do other things. And uh, yeah, but I think I, I don't know. Think about him and this fight. I think he's he's knuckled down and and got his act together. And so I'm thinking thinking he's going to put in a good performance. But like I say, Mikey Garcia, he, he's a great fighter. He comes from a great stable. Um, he's got great training, dad. Um, so I, I think I think it's, it's, it's going to be a good fight. Um, the, the book, I've seen the bookies uh, 
making Brown a massive, massive underdog. But uh, yeah, I'll be interested. I'll be watching that one. Yeah, I think he's. Um, I think he's five to one. Uh, I think the the odds on Broner to win is five to one. So yeah, it's uh, quite tempting. But no, for me, I, I think Mikey wins that one, man. He's 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 magnificent for me. Um, and yeah. finally, finally, the the final question really that I've got for you, Brad. Um, Barry Hearn has mentioned it a few times that Sam Eggington should take on Danny Garcia. Now you know we would both yeah. obviously want Sam to get the win, being a Brit and all that. But how do you see that one playing out if it does happen? Do you reckon it's a little bit too soon, or perhaps he's a little bit out of his depth, or do you reckon he can win that fight? You know what? It's a winnable fight, I believe. Um, he, he's done great things since he, he lost to me. Um, so yeah, I, I, why not? Like if he, if he can crack on and and get that fight, then good luck to him. And just makes, if we was ever to fight again, it just makes that fight a bit more interesting. Yeah, I suppose it does, I suppose it does. And just before I let you go, Bradley, just um, lastly, I just want to say, have you got any kind of message to anybody before we let you go? Sponsors, you know, fans, listeners, anything, managers, trainers, promoters, anything? Yeah, wicked, thanks. Um, I'd like to say a big thank you, as always, to my main sponsor, The King Group, um, yeah, their, their help and support has been fantastic throughout the years. Um, I've just got a new sponsor on board, the, the, the David Lloyd Club. So, yeah, thank you to the David Lloyd Club in Beckenham. Um, I've got, I've got a, a free membership from them now, so I can, can use their gyms. Um, box fit for, for, for obviously supplying all my kit. Um, yeah, and just the support. The support has been amazing. Like I say, I'm fighting in London now on Saturday which I haven't done for for a long time and I've still had great support wherever I've been so this one's going to be extra special obviously I'm going to be winning the belt outright so yeah it'd be, it'd be great great to, to, to give back to the fans and thank them for, for spending their hard-earned money coming to support me yeah, very um, honourable mention there to the King Group, a, a special sponsor, one that um, some some sponsors turn up just in a couple of numbers. Them guys send down a whole coach, so uh, very, very, very uh, yeah. honourable mention to them. Right, Bradley, it's always a pleasure, mate. I really mean that. Best of luck Wicked, for Saturday. Bro. Thanks for your time, and we'll catch up after. Nice one, Joe. Wicked, bro. See you soon, mate. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. But before we get into that, there's a few little bits of news that we're going to just discuss, or I'm just going to quickly go through. I'm just going to fly through it, really. Um, yeah, so a couple of things. We're going to start with the fact that Floyd versus Conor McGregor, they're going to be doing some kind of press conference tour. I think it may start in the UK. It's supposed to be happening in the next couple of weeks. Haven't seen any official announcement or anything from either party, I don't think. But... Um, yeah, it's big news, so I thought we'd mention that. Also, Paul Butler earlier this week has parted ways with Frank Warren. I was um, I was actually given a bit of a lowdown on this um, a few weeks back, and I found it quite shocking because for me, I think Frank Warren did quite a good job with him, but I just don't know what's gone on behind closed doors. But he's decided to part ways with Frank Warren, so we wish Paul Butler all the very best. I just want to really dedicate this little part here to the fact that we had a competition on last week's show for your chance to win a Anthony Yard signed glove. Now, the winner of that competition was a man on Twitter by the name of at Ricey underscore S-U-F-C. So congratulations 
congratulations my friend the glove has been sent out a couple of days ago so it should be with you it may even be with you um, if or when you're listening to this I hope you're listening to it I hope you haven't just won the glove and abandoned us but uh, yeah very well done my friend and also a couple of other guys to shout out I want to shout out at Valley Legend the man that really left us a great review as well a man that really came close to winning the glove so hopefully we'll do another competition in the near future hopefully uh, you know you'll be in there I'm sure with a chance of winning that one and just for the other guys really that left reviews and and entered the competition thank you very much if I haven't mentioned you it hasn't gone unappreciated believe me I've read them all and uh, they made me go cherry red in the face so thank you very much for everybody entering and uh, commiserations to the guys that didn't win a prize this time but there will be something for you next time I'm sure of it right moving on to the previewing now I'm gonna obviously get on to the previewing which is the part where we preview the fights that are coming up this week I'm gonna start with a card that's happening over in Australia it's a hotbed for boxing at the moment this week it's been unbelievable but there's one fight to mention over here Sakio Bika former world champion returning to the ring after two years out he hasn't fought since he lost to Adonis Stevenson. His record 32 and 7 with three draws. He takes on Luke Sharp, who's got a record of 14 and 5 with three draws. Uh, it's for the vacant WBC Asian Boxing Council Continental Middleweight title. So uh, a really, a really mad sounding title there. But uh, all the very best to both men there. May the best man win. That's at the Fraternity Club in Fairy Meadow. Sounds like a nice place to live. Moving over now to the Copper Box Arena. A few fights to mention on the undercard before we get on to the bigger fights. I just want to fly through these um, really just just before I come to UB. I'm going to start with Sanjeev Sohota. He's on the bill 7-0. He's in a four-rounder against Luka Leskovic. Sanjeev Sohota's a man that... For me, he's always in interesting fights. He's always in good fights because I don't really think he fights to his best of ability. But um, yeah, he's in there with a guy who's got a record of 5-17. and 17, So it shouldn't be a problem, but it is a four-rounder. So all the very best to him. Also on the bill, Huey Fury. He gets in there. Obviously, he's been out the ring for quite a while. It's really just a warm-up fight before he takes on Joseph Parker in September. So his opponent has not been announced yet. It's a six-rounder at heavyweight. His record's 20-0 at the moment. It won't be anybody of no I don't think, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see Huey back in the ring, to be completely honest. Also on the bill, Leon Woodstock, he gets out again. He looks to move to 10-0. He takes on Norbert Kaluxa. Can't remember who he's fought recently, but I've definitely seen that name um, over the last few months. That's a six-rounder at Super Featherweight there. All the very best to Leon Woodstock. Also on the bill, Daniel Dubois. He gets in there against Julian Fernandez, and he's fighting for his first title as a pro, Daniel Dubois. It's for the vacant WBC Youth World Heavyweight title, and his opponent, Julian Fernandez is unbeaten 5-0 Daniel Dubois 3-0 it's a 10 rounder in just his fourth fight so it looks like he's going to be getting moved very quickly Daniel Dubois a man with a very promising future some people will tell you that he knocked Joshua clean out in sparring but uh, we're not here to spread rumours we're just here to highlight the speculation also on the bill Archie Sharp he's in his Ninth professional contest. He's in a four-rounder at Super Featherweight. He's a friend of the show. He takes on Juan Okura, who has a record of 13 and 11 with one draw. All the very best to Archie Sharp. The refreshing thing about this bill is it's not full of TBA, TBA, TBA. There's only a couple of fights where... I think there's one fight, actually, 
that's a TBA. All the rest of them have already been finalised, so that's always a good thing, especially when it's fight week anyway. Uh, also on the bill, Asinia Byfield, 12-1, and one, takes on Sammy McNess, the undefeated man, the undefeated West Ham fan, 7-0, and oh, looking to move to 8-0. and oh. Really good fight, this one. It's for the Southern Area Super Welterweight title. Asinia Byfield, the ghost, is the champion. Um, a man that has been through a lot of stuff outside of the ring, so I wish both men the very best of luck, to be completely honest. I was with Sammy McNess's, um his brother the other day in the Peacock Gym, so I know that he's certainly up for this fight. Also, a rematch between Daryl Williams and Jermaine Smile. The first fight was a brilliant fight. It could have been a contender of fight of the year, to be completely honest. A fantastic fight first time round. It is a rematch. It's for, of course, the English super middleweight title. Uh, yeah, B, it was a fantastic fight the first time round, wasn't it? I'm really looking forward to the rematch. It was a very good fight. Um, it was very neck and neck um, up until, I think, probably about the eighth round. And then I did see Williams come through, actually, towards the end. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be an enjoyable fight to re-watch this. Um, if I'm going to make a prediction, um, oh, I'm going to go for Williams again, I think. Um, but who knows? Yeah, obviously, boxing, it is boxing. Um, and it could all change. But that's going to be my prediction, I believe. Yeah, I tend to agree with that. I think that um, Daryl Williams is obviously the man on the up. And Jermaine Smile, I mean, he won't admit it, but I guess he's the man that's, um, you know, the more experienced man. I, I won't say he's at the tail end of his career because he hasn't had many fights. He's only had like six more fights, in you know, when you look at it on paper. But he's he's had some serious fights. Whereas even though Daryl Williams is 15-0, and 0, he hasn't really got names that are on his record that stand out or jump out at you. So, um yeah, Jermaine Smile, I think that, you know, he's going to come to give it a go again. But I think that Daryl Williams should win this fight even clearer than the first fight. But no, if it's anything like the first fight, it's going to be really good and really entertaining. Also on this bill, Richard Barangi, 18-1, and puts his WBO European light heavyweight title on the line against the undefeated beast, Anthony Yard, 11-0. and This is a fight that I've been looking forward to ever since it was announced. I think it was announced at the at the uh, Javante Davis and Liam Walsh car, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm really looking forward to that. Anthony Yard, obviously, um, you know, a man that we're all very excited about, especially on this show. He's, you know, we're, we're good friends with him. But Richard Barangi is a bit of an unknown quantity. 18-1. and one. The one loss he was knocked out in. But he's got 12 knockouts to his name. So more knockouts than... Anthony Yard has had fights, but um, no, it's, it should be a good fight. Hopefully, it goes a few rounds, and hopefully, it, you know, his record suggests he can punch a bit. Hopefully, I don't want to say he lands too many, but hopefully, we see Anthony Yard under a bit of pressure and see how he copes with that. That's something that people are dying to see because he's just really blasted everybody out. But it's very exciting, and once again, I love watching him fight. It doesn't matter who he's who he's uh, who he's fighting. I actually went down to his gym the other day. He very kindly invited me down to his gym, and I was watching him spar. Even that was good to see. Also on the bill. Bradley Skeet 26-1 takes on Dow Evans 13-3 with two draws. Uh, this one is the third and final defence hopefully for Bradley Skeet's British welterweight title. If he wins this, he wins the belt outright. We spoke to him earlier on in the show. Um, I know that you wanted to add a couple of things to this fight. B, what did you want to say about this fight? It's one that I'm certainly looking forward to. Again, it's, it's um, as Bradley said earlier, he he kind of he got the call when Billy Joe Saunders' opponent got arrested. They needed someone to come in, and I think he's topping the bill, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, I'm pleased for Bradley to get out so soon after his last fight, of course. 
Yeah, it's um, it's going to be a great one. I think um, short notice for both of them, actually. Um, I spoke to Dale in the week, um, and he had four weeks' notice also. Um, but yeah, great to see Bradley straight back into it. No time to think, I should imagine, uh, which is probably a good thing. Um, going for that belt outright. Again, I spoke to him in the week as well. So great to see both of them and chat to both of them. Um, both of them, it's it's big fights. I mean, obviously the sad, uh, well, it's nearly the anniversary actually now for Mike's house um, last year. So it was nice of Dale to obviously to see if he can come back um, after that after that last fight, really. He had um, a four-rounder um, a couple of months back just to, just to test the water, to see how his mind's going to be and to see how he's going to be feeling about all of that, really. Um, he said he went well and it was okay. Um, Mike's family have supported him and said get back in the ring. Um, so he wants to take the belt home for him and Mike. So as for Bradley, it's a major fight because obviously it's for the to win the belt outright, the Lonsdale belt, which would be amazing if he does that and all the hard work and achievement and a great achievement to have. And then obviously on the other side, it's great for Dale Evans to also have this this massive fight and, and win the belt for both of them um, because Mike always wanted to win the belt as well. So it's going to be an emotional fight um, as well as obviously um, an exciting one. Um, uh, I, I don't want to make a prediction uh, because I'd be happy. It's such a tough one. Because I've got emotionally attached, I think, for both. So um, I'm just going to have to watch that one and see what happens. But I just hope, I just hope Dale's going to be all right afterwards, um, win or lose, because obviously it means so much to him on the mental side of things, on the men- emotional side. I hope he, I hope he can stay strong either way, whether he comes away with it or whether he doesn't. Yeah, very, very well said there. Be very, very well said. Um, yeah, you know, made a best man win at the end of the day. I uh, I know that Dow Evans, as you said, he was in that four rounder. He won every round of that, so he looked pretty decent. And um, yeah, it's all it's all down to him now. Saturday night, uh, just a couple of days away. And if he can do it, if he can pull off the upset, then uh, then all the very best to him. To be completely honest, but I know that Bradley Skeet's coming in this very confident. But as I say, made a best man win as always. Also on the bill, a final fight to mention on this bill. Gary Corcoran down at 147 at welterweight, not in the same division as Liam Williams. That rematch won't be happening for a while, even though things have got a little bit fiery between them both on Twitter this week. Gary Corcoran, his record 16-1. and He takes on Larry Ekendeo, 12-0. and This one's for the vacant WBO Intercontinental welterweight title. Um, a really, really good fight, actually, amongst other great fights on this bill. There's a few 50-50s. This is one of them. Um, Gary Corcoran obviously mixed it at the better level, I suppose, especially in that Williams fight that he lost. So I don't know if that tells you much. But Larry Ekendeo, he's a man that actually stopped Dale Evans. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of interest, a lot of conflicted interest right up and down the bill. So, yeah, should be another great fight. But I'm going to pull with Gary Corcoran. I hope he gets the job done. He's a friend of the show. He's been on before. And... Um, as I've said before, if you come on this show, you're a friend of the show for life. So all the very best to him. Right, moving over to Scotland now at the Brayhead Arena, Glasgow, Scotland, United Kingdom. Two fights to mention on this bill. One fight I'm going to mention, Chantelle Cameron. Her record 1-0. and She steps out in her second outing. It's a six-rounder. That's, of course, six two-minute rounds. She takes on Bojana 
Libizowska. I've probably got that a bit wrong, but her record is 5-22. and 22. So it's a bit of a poor record, but she's never been stopped. So if Chantel Cameron can get a knockout, it certainly makes a statement. Um, all the very best to her. Also, moving up the bill, the main event, of course, a fantastic fight against two undefeated young up-and-comers. One is with Eddie Hearn, one is with Barry McGuigan. It's obviously going to be on ITV. It's going to be a shame because... I'll be at the Copper Box show, and I don't want anybody ringside to tell me the result, because it's one I want to watch as soon as I get home. Josh Taylor, 9-0, puts his Commonwealth super lightweight title on the line against O'Hara, two tanks, Davis, 15-0. A really, really, really good fight. I'm going to come to you first, B. What's your thoughts on this one? It's, it's brilliant just to see them both stepping in the ring together. Oh, it's exciting. Uh, I think I'm most excited for this fight. I think, one, because of the build-up, it's been brilliant. Um, I've loved it. They've all played excellent parts in the build-up uh, to this fight, and it's got me excited. It's going to be a tough one. I don't think it's going to be as easy as um, people would like it to be. Um, I'm, it's going to be hard. It's good to be, well. I'm going to go for O'Hara Davis. I am. Um, I'm, I want to say a stoppage, probably within ooh, seventh seventh round. Um, yeah, that's what I'm going to go for. But um, it, as I said, it's going to be great all round. It's going to be exciting. Bit of a brawl, I should imagine. Um, and they're both going to want to stop each other. So uh, get ready for an exciting fight ahead. Yeah, certainly a fight that, as I say, as soon as I come through that door, I'm going to make sure that it's ready to press play. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to get it literally as soon as I come through the door. I'm grabbing the Sky Remote, boom, I'm playing it. So uh, I'll definitely be taping that one while I'm at the Copper Box, and I'm going to have some earmuffs in if anybody tries to tell me the result. But I'm certainly looking forward to it. Um, it's a shame that the two shows clash when you're going to a fight because, you know, probably you know the way things are you could probably switch over the channel and maybe there's a fight that's not as exciting going on at the copper box and you can just switch over there watch that fight and then tune back in after but it's not going to be the case it's going to be um when you're actually there you can't do that unless you've got some kind of dodgy app on your phone which i probably might pull out on the night as it goes might watch them both have a screen in front of me and a ring in front of me as well we'll have to wait and see but no all the very best to both men a lot of people going with josh taylor i think he's the favorite if i'm not mistaken um I'm riding with O'Hara on this one as well. I think maybe a points win. I'm not sure it'll be a stoppage, but both men can punch. Um, certainly, this is the hardest fight of both men's careers as well. I think that Josh Taylor poses a lot of problems as well, being pretty long. I know that um, O'Hara's got them crazily long arms, but in terms of actual natural size, Josh Taylor's obviously the bigger man naturally, so... It's, it's going to be interesting. We're going to have to wait and see what happens. But certainly a fight that I'm really, really looking forward to. I'm so happy that, you know, the fight's actually been made and it's going to be happening on Saturday night. So, yeah, cannot wait for that one. Moving over now to Russia. There's one fight, the DIVS over in Ekaterinburg. Again, probably saying that wrong. In fact, there's two fights to mention. I'm going to start with Denis Lebedev putting his WBA Super World Cruiserweight title on the line against Mark Flanagan, 22-4. Denis Lebedev, 29-2. Uh, and two. Should be a really good fight. He was a man that I wanted to see Tony Bellew in with, to be honest. But, um, 
yeah, that won't be happening at all. Also on the build, Dmitry Mikolenko, 22-1. He takes on Quadratilo Agor. Oh, I'm not even going to try, but his record's 11-0. This one should be a really good fight. It's gone under the radar, actually. It's for the WBC Silver Welterweight title. Um, Mikolenko's a really good fighter, and of course, his opponent, 11-0. A bit of an unknown quantity, but from what I've heard from a few people, it should be a really, really good fight. Also, one fight to mention over in York Hall. We can't go without mentioning Wadi Camacho, 17 and 6, takes on Arfan Iqbal, 11 and 0. This one's for the vacant English cruiserweight title. I know that Wadi Camacho, after losing to Chamberlain, it didn't really look like you know he had many places to turn to. To be fighting for the English title is seriously a good, uh, a good step up, and I really, really want to see this. He's in there again against another undefeated fighter. He's certainly not scared to get in there, Wadi Camacho. It was refreshing as well seeing him at last week's show. Uh, you know, we, he was ringside at the Eddie Hearn show. He was a few rows in front of us. So, um, yeah, good to see him on that bill. Good to see him in a good fight. His record 17-6. and six. Um, Arfanik Bo, as I said, 11-0. and 0. Should be a really good fight, that one. All the very best to both men. And really, I just want to mention the last fight on the preview part of the show. This one's actually happening next week on Monday. But by the time the podcast goes out next Thursday, uh, the fight would have already been and gone. So we'll talk about the result on next week's show. But I'm just going to let you know of the fight. It's happening Monday, the 10th of July, 2017, of course. Over in the Korokian Hall in Tokyo, Japan. One fight to mention on this bill. It's a 10-rounder at featherweight. Tomoki Kamida, the man that lost twice to Jamie McDonnell. His record, 33-2. and two. Both losses, as I said, to Jamie McDonnell. He takes on Ivan Morales. That's the brother of Eric Morales. His record, 31-2. and two. One of those losses was for the world title to Lee Haskins. I remember he was on our show the week of that fight. So, yeah, just one fight to point out there. Both guys have lost to British world champions in recent times. But it should be a really good fight over in Japan there. And that's the final fight to mention of the previewing. That really wraps up the show, to be completely honest. All the talking from me anyway. Of course, there's one last thing to do, and that, of course, is to welcome just before we end the show, guest number two. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a man that really needs no introduction on this show. We've got a lot of love for the pair of them, but today it's one half of the two brothers from Barry. It's the IBF featherweight world champion, Mr. Lee Selby. Lee, how are you doing, sir? Welcome to the show. I'm very well, thank you. I just, just, just left the gym for a session. I'm on my way home, man. Eh? Yeah, excellent stuff, Lee, excellent stuff. So, Lee, we last spoke just after your last fight, after... After that fight, there was a period of time where you were in the limbo a little bit. We weren't too sure if we were going to be seeing uh, the Carl Frampton fight next or not. Obviously, that fight is now not happening. Uh, just before we get on to what's next for you, obviously, um, you know, next weekend, are you able to shed any light on why talks broke down with Carl Frampton, Lee? Basically, Jonathan Barros, he's gone away. The, the IBF kept him as mind for some strange reason, and I, I'm ordered to fight him again. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, out in Vegas, you know, when I was scheduled to fight him then on the undercard of the front in Santa Cruz. He fell out the medicals. Really, I think they should have chucked him out the ratings, but they never, they kept him mandatory. So now he, he stored, stored the fight between me and Frampton. So I, I, I got to come through this fight now next weekend and maybe we can get it on there. Ah, so, so he was the man that you were supposed to, so, supposed to fight in Vegas when he didn't make weight? Yeah. Ah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. I remember, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I just, I, I literally forgot. I forgot the guy's name. I, I was trying to think last night. Who was you supposed to fight again? It was a good yeah. fight. And then, yeah, you've just reminded me. Okay, brilliant. So, um, yeah, so you're taking him on. He's, he's obviously still your mandatory for, uh, for well, for a mystery of reasons, really. You're taking him on next weekend on the Chris yeah. Eubank Jr. and Arthur Abraham undercard. Um, he's obviously the former WBA world featherweight champion himself, as you mentioned, Jonathan Victor Barros. Yeah. Barros has got a really good record, 41-4 and four with one draw. He's almost got as many knockout wins than you've had fights, Lee. He's lost four fights. Well, I've had but... fights, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he's lost four, all to good opposition. How much have you watched of him, and what do you know about him, Lee? To be honest, I only take a little glimpse of, of my opponents. I just like to see their, their style. And then I come forward, self for or box on the back foot, or whatever. So I don't like study him enough. I just take a quick look. And from what I've seen, he's he's very tough, strong, durable. Like you said, he's knocked out like the same amount of opponents as I've had fight. He's very experienced, and those four losses, I believe, have all been to world champions. So it's going to be a tough fight. And when I win, I probably won't get no credit because, like, British fans don't know who he is. He's a well-seasoned former world champion. It's going to be a tough fight, but one I'm confident of, of winning. Lee, will it be good for you psychologically to step in the ring finally defending your belt? It's obviously been 15 months since your last defence. It's not been your fault. I know it's been a highly frustrating time for you. I know that you obviously fought, as we say. Uh, we spoke just after your last fight, you know, at the O2 in March of this year, but that was a fight really just to keep the cobwebs off. This is a proper defence. Will it be good for you psychologically to be in that ring? Well, psychologically, I'm, I'm, I'm always on the ball. I'm always in the gym. The reasons why I haven't boxed it, I haven't been down to myself. I've, I've been ready to fight. I've been making weight ready to fight. It's just due, due to my opponents. But um, it will be nice to obviously get another defence another defense for my title. You know, I'm constantly in the gym, constantly working. So it'll be nice to, to showcase all the time work I've been putting in the gyms to, to a live audience. And as you know, Mikey Garcia was on the show a fortnight ago and offered you some advice on how to beat Barros because he's the only man to have gone and stopped him. What did you make of that advice? I I, yeah. uh, I sent you a clip, didn't I? Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was good advice from from a, from a great champion. You know, Mikey Garcia. He stopped Jonathan Barros, but Mikey Garcia is an exceptional fighter and an exceptional puncher. There's not many about. I I rate him highly in like the pound for pounds. Probably at least top five pound of pound. He's yeah. a great puncher, great fighter. So to yeah. have a few words of advice off him, it's great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. So, Lee, without looking past this next fight, I remember speaking with you. I uh, I looked back in the archives. I remember speaking with you in December of 2015, and I remember you naming people like your Framptons, Quiggs, Leo Santa Cruz. You said that you wanted those fights in 2016. As we touched on, it was a frustrating and unlucky year for you in many ways, but are you able to say at this point in time that providing you get past your next fight, that you not only want a big name next, but you almost feel like you may need a big name next. Yeah, I, I do need the, the big names. But um, for some reason, these fights ain't coming up. I, I'm, I'm willing to fight absolutely anybody, anywhere, at any time. I'm always ready to fight. And that, that's why I want to be involved in these, these, these big, high-profile fights. That's, that's why I started the game. I'm not, I'm not one to like, pick and choose easy defences. I'll fight whoever's going in front of me. But I prefer, I, ideally, I prefer either Carl Frampton, Leo Santa Cruz, Abner Myers, or Danny Rossellino. They're all the, 
the big names in the featherweight division, all advised by our Heyman, like myself. So those fights can and should should be made. And not only just those guys. Obviously, you know, you got you got Frampton at number three with the IBF, if I'm not mistaken. I think um, more looking at yeah. the the you know the domestic names. There's a, there's a few guys. I think we have got Quig at number two, Warrington at number five, Kid Galahad's at number eleven now. Four British fighters there, all really good fighters too. I know that you believe you'd beat them all, and not many can argue with that statement, to be honest. But who do you think you'd beat the easiest out of those four names there, and who do you want most out of those four? You've obviously got. Uh, Frampton, Quig, Galahad, and Warrington. I can, I believe I can beat anybody. Oh, I might say if I box to my ability, I believe I can beat any heavyweight on the planet. And ideally, I'd like to fight Carl Frampton due to his like popularity. He's the highest profile fighter out of the four you've named. So I'd like to get to get a win over him to uh, catapult my career and put, put my name at the top of the list you mentioned. And then, and then secondly, I, I think. Um, Quick, yeah, he just wanted to eliminate up my title, so soon, sooner, sooner or later, that that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, we certainly hope so. Now, I want to touch on something, Lee, that Eddie Hearn said. He said multiple times now that if you stayed with him, and these are just his faults, if you stayed with him rather than went, you know, went over to the US and started fighting over there, linked up with Al Heyman, he believes that if you stayed with him, you would be a much bigger name now, that you'd have made much more money with him. He believes that you were wrong you know, wrongly advised and, and were wrong to make the decision that you did to link up uh, with Al Heyman stateside. What's your take on his opinion, Lee? Um, well, I, I probably would have been fighting more often on, on like Sky Sports, which is a great platform. But the, the reason I started with Al Heyman, the, the, the fighters I just named who I'd like to, like to box, Carl Brandon, Leo Santa Cruz, Kelly Russell Jr., Abdel Myers, the high profile heavyweight in, in the world, are all with Al Heyman. So the only way to make them fight was to go with him. At the moment, the fights haven't been made, but sooner or later, they're going to happen. And Lee, I want to ask you about your brother, Andrew. I know that last time out, he was in um, a really good fight against a, a really game South American, actually. He uh, obviously had yeah. to come through some adversities in that fight as well. How's he getting on? What's next with him? Um, I, I think we'll probably see Andrew boxing around September time. They're looking to do a, a final eliminator for, for the WBC title. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, I've always got to ask you about him or or, or him about you. Actually, whenever I speak to yeah, either of you, yeah. um, a couple of other fights. Now, I just want to get your opinion on three last fights before I let you go, if you don't mind, Lee. Um, the the main event: yeah. Chris Eubank Jr. versus Arthur Abraham. A good step up for Chris Eubank Jr. Who do you see winning that fight? I see Eubank Jr. winning quite convincingly. Star, star wise, you know, Arthur Abraham. He, he likes to work in stars behind like a tight guy. Every time he covers up. And Mikey Garcia taking on Adrian Broner. Again, we mentioned Mikey, gave you a bit of advice the other day. A fantastic fight for him, a really good fight for Adrian Broner. Also, uh, that's 29th of this month, July 29th. Who do you see winning that one, Lee? First of all, I think that is an excellent matchup of two different styles and personalities. But um, I, I just can't see Mikey Garcia getting beat by anybody. He, he, he really makes a mistake in the ring. He's clinical with his punching. So I, I can see Mighty Gassi winning. Yeah, me too. As good as I Yeah, me too. I tend to agree with you there. And finally, the uh, the big middleweight clash is finally happening. Triple G and 
Uh, Canelo Alvarez, how do you see that one unfolding? Huge fight. To be honest, I, I can't pick a winner. Boxing wise, I think Canelo at the edge, and obviously power and strength and size. It's Golovkin. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Whoever won by any method, I wouldn't be surprised if Canelo knocked out Golovkin or Golovkin knocked Canelo out. Or point either way, I, I, I couldn't pick a winner, honestly. I wouldn't be surprised by whoever wins in any method. That's all right. We'll let you sit. We'll let you sit on the fence on that one, Lee. You, you, you've you've said enough there. Right, yeah. listen, Lee. It's always a pleasure, my friends. You know that. Once again, thanks for giving us some of your time. We'll catch up after you get another win and another successful defense of that IBF title, my friend. Let's hope so. All right, my man. God bless. Speak soon. Bye. Thank you. Okay, now it's time to wrap up episode 90 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. B has been B. A big thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the British welterweight champion Bradley Ski and the IBF world champion Lee Selby. It's been a pleasure making this show for your ears. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review on iTunes and give us a follow on Instagram as we've barely got any followers on there, to be completely honest. We haven't been going on there for too long. We'll be back next week with another another big show as always until then thanks for listening